Sound Mains. Welcome back to Just the Tip Off, the NBA podcast, where we're going to ask you to look at the episode number and say, nice. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 70. We made it. <laughs> it's uh, It's been a long time coming. No one thought we'd make it this far, but uh, to, uh, to those people, uh, suck it. We did. Right, wasn't it? Didn't, like, Chief tell us to quit after the first episode? Yeah, he Someone's... said it, we, it was definitely not worth pursuing. Well, that sh- we showed him. Yeah. <laughs> we have literally dozens of listeners collectively. <laughs> over, uh, over, uh... over 70 episodes, 12 people listen total. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're basically better than Joe Rogan's podcast at this point. I, it's not I, just on par, at least. Well, on this monumental episode, it's uh, it's going to be a pretty quick recap of what's going on in the NBA today. Um, what do I, you got? I think I think uh, since we're all Ohio natives here, we we should discuss the the impact of Colin Sexton's injury. So if we're, if we're going to jump right into Colin Sexton, uh, I, I feel comfortable jumping in on that. All right, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk about Colin Sexton's injury out for the season for the Cavs. How how, how do you think that plays out? The Cavs have been overperforming, right? The, the Cavs have been incredible. I think they're showing less brilliance, and I actually think that long term, this is probably good for the Cavs because you know we were really good, but we are not a championship contender, and so we can continue to develop some other talent away from Colin Sexton, who is already our bona fide star. Um, it gets a little weird when you say, like, hey, we're going to have to extend him and we don't know what's contract going to be, but let's say we extend him and it works. If we do not as well and get some nice draft capital out of it, get another piece and continue to look well, Evan Mobley might be rookie of the year. It's him and Scotty Barnes at this point. They're playing so well. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen work together in a backcourt, which a lot of people said they wouldn't. And, you know, we have that, uh, we have this excellent front court, and that gives us a uh, ca- uh, chance to develop other front court players. Like, Dylan Windler really hasn't played for us, and I think Dylan Windler could be a great bench piece in the future. This gives him an opportunity to start looking good. Uh, Ricky Rubio is going to take up a lot of minutes. I love Ricky Rubio. I think he's going to help us in the now, but I think, you know, no one, no one's going to be surprised when I say he's not in the future. And so Bullshit! He's the future Del of Dova. Let's put it that way. Right. Right, and I just think he, I think he does a lot in like holding us, holding us there, and you know, I think we're going to be one of the first teams out of the playoffs in the East right now. We're what the sixth seed. And, uh, well, we we we've hit a little bump in the road, little bump in the road, if you will, the injury bump, if you will. Yeah, because uh, Mobley is also out for like a month as well. So extended, extended. Yeah, time so that sure. that hurts. But I agree with your point. If you can still develop the younger talent on your team while still being bad, isn't that kind of the ideal role for a team that's rebuilding? It's tanking with finesse, damn it. <laughs> right. We, 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 know we, we know we have a potential all-star caliber combo guard uh, there. It gives Garland a chance to grow because I think uh, Garland has all-star potential as well. And it gives us an opportunity to really examine some of our holes, look at, look at where we're lacking, and hopefully get a good enough draft pick to fill in those gaps. And frankly, we have some we have some veterans on there. Uh, now that I know we've been saying this for years, but now that Love's coming up on the end of, uh, end of the contract, we can trade Love to a contender near the trade deadline. Avoid a buyout at all costs. Yeah, uh, uh, get some draft capital. And if he, you know, no one's paying for him, I have no problem taking Love to the end of his contract and using that cap space 
to extend some of these young players. Exactly. That's true, because we we just just signed Jared Allen. Sexton's coming up, and Garland's going to be the year after him. So here's the thing with Colin Sexton. Let me touch on that real quick. So as much as I love Colin Sexton, this could have been a very proper time for him to get an injury. In his contract year, this was the year that he's going to really show out and show how much he's he's worked to this team. Not that he, I don't think he is. I just think if you can get him on a discount deal to avoid paying him the max this upcoming extension, that would really possibly help us in the long-term future lock him in and not have to – would be kind of obligated to pay him or play him those long-term minutes, those big minutes for when you, you know, extend players like Jaron Jackson Jr. or Luka Doncic or um, Trey Young, all those players. I'm not saying Colin Sexton is like them, but he is going to be expected to get minutes if we pay him that kind of money. Yeah. I'm going to throw out a number here that I think is a realistic uh, number to bring Sexton back on. Let's be super team friendly. Uh, what do you think about bringing Sexton back on a four-year $80 million? I'd do that. I'd do that, too. I'm guessing that. I would the, do even a hundred uh, year, yeah. year with the uh, team option at, on the fifth Yeah, I, I think chances are we might see a deal a done that's option. a little north of that. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, but if they can get less than the max, that'd be great. Now, one interesting thing I've like heard of is that you know Sexton was in the talks of trade rumors with Ben Simmons, and I don't know. Obviously, that hasn't happened. But if there was any amount of truth to the Ben Simmons Sexton trade, this is the ideal time for the Cleveland Cavaliers front office and general manager to look at what a roster might look with Darius Garland at the head alone because right now it's kind of a dual thing between Hinton and Sexton so if you really wanted to see what you got in Garland now is your time to do so because you, you've kind of seen what you got a Sexton and Garland's kind of played second fiddle with that up until now but I'm, now's where you're going to see what Garland's made of. I'm a little bit more kind of curious about Isaac Okoro and his developmental process. His defensive skills have been as advertised but offensively he's just a little bit too up and down. Not enough up for... I, I think a consistent all-star level talent that we might be hoping from him. Um, I agree. Uh, for now, I, I think again, Colin Sexton being hurt, this are the pressure is somewhat kind of taken off. We're yeah. we're trying to develop, we're trying to do well, especially Evan Mobley hurt as well. We're trying to do well, but we still would like that top ten draft pick. That'd be great. I, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, especially if Mobley comes back, he wants Sexton out. Um, the Cavs are not a free win, right? The Cavs in the last two years have been a team that contenders get to look past, and now they're not a free win. And that's a big deal for Cleveland. That means our games are entertaining. That means that people are going to start getting tickets, and that means that the front office is going to be incentivized to keep us good. And I think, you know, we're hitting, we're hitting this rebuild perfectly where we have plenty of young pieces who can all turn out. I, you know, I love Colin Sexton. I want him to get paid, but frankly, from a team standpoint, him getting hurt and us not having to pay him maybe the max uh, is super advantageous. My only question is, what happens when some team decides to give him the max in restricted free agency? Does the team match it? And I don't have a good answer because I'm not sure I want to match a max. You know, if, this is, if he had played healthy and played as well as he has the last several years over this year, I would say do it. But I don't feel I don't know how comfortable I am as a Cavs fan saying yes we should extend him off of injury. Here's is, the thing: somebody is, has to actually do that. It, is is the max is the max for him that one seventy two for five? The same thing that like SGA got? Yeah. 
Yeah. That would be his max. That's a lot of thing. money. Somebody has to offer him that coming off of an injury where he was in trade talks yeah. with Ben Simmons. Yeah. So he's, so like, who, he's not a long-term player. I, I, I don't think so, anybody's going to offer him that. So so, so let, let's talk Maybe the Knicks. Like, oh, shit. I was going to say, let's potentially talk teams that can give it to him. The Knicks. I don't think the Knicks, actually. The Knicks two years ago, I'd say absolutely. I don't think the Knicks. Um, maybe the Hornets, because they're going to have all that Rozier money open. But I think they're more likely to go after uh, center. Uh, and honestly, I think the Knicks, I, I think the uh, Hornets might be the player that uh, give eight to the max and make him leave Phoenix. Oh, that would um, be crazy. So. Yeah, uh, so I, so maybe the Hornets because the Rozier that Rozier money is going to be open, um, and I think Sexton would play really well against uh, really well uh, beside Lamelo. Um, what what are some other teams that this could work on? Um, the Pelicans maybe, but the Pelicans make no sense to me. I don't. I so I think somehow they don't have the cap space because they just have taken a lot of bad contracts, which is weird. They've also got. I, I think they're a little bit heavy loaded on young guards. That I don't yes, think that they, they really... do because they they've got Kyra Lewis Jr. They've got um, Nikhil Walker, Nikhil Alexander Walker. They are heavy on young guards, and Dante they just drafted Grant. another one too. They have Dante Graham. Yeah, they're heavy on guards. Now Sexton's better than all their guards. Another, another team that's heavy on guards, but just might do it because who the fuck knows? It's the Timberwolves. What, what I would be open to here's hear, hear me out. If we traded Colin Sexton to the Pelicans. For high draft picks this season, that gets them, and maybe taking on some bad money contracts, or like a uh, a young player in return. You know what I mean? If we get that's something I would be open to accepting. I I take I take a Josh Hart off the Pelicans. Josh Hart, fuck yeah. Play him in play him in the uh, in the Okoro role instead. I mean Okoro is good, but I mean I'd take a Josh Hart off the bench for sure. Josh Hart would be a great bench off the piece uh, off the bench, and I'd rather get him than nothing uh, when we're talking about Sexton. But, you know, I would take Sexton over Josh Hart every day, and so this is only in the situation where I have to give him a max. Uh, I'd be more comfortable going up to five years, 125, right? Because, you know, it's possible another team gives an offer that isn't a max, so we have a match, and I think my cap is five years, 125. Five years, so it's 25 million a year. That's, that's, that's what, Malcolm Brogdon? Range of money right now, I think. And, and frankly, a big part of it is because we're Cleveland and we have to sit there and say, hey, you know, it's not like we have the, it's not like we have the luxury of being able to sign free agents later when we draft a good player. We gotta make it worthwhile for them to stick around, or else other players are gonna leave post draft too, right? If we lowball Colin Sexton, then Garland's gonna feel not good coming back to sign. Coro's uh, gonna feel good not coming back to sign. Mobley's gonna feel good coming back, not gonna feel good coming back to sign. We already did the right thing that we gave, you know, a big but fair deal to uh, Jared Allen. But you know, it's it's hard to know for sure. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Hopefully, we can come back next season's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big season for us. Uh, we've got enough development for a couple of years to have actual change for, through Garland. Sexton's going to be coming off injury. Um, um, Evan Mobley coming off his, his rookie year, and then just kind of the changing of the guard to our young young squad. I feel like it's it, hopefully it'll be like the Grizzlies of this year um, with with some of their success and sustained uh, outlook. Because even when people talk about the Cavs this year, it's, oh, it's a fun story. Oh, it's a good feel good 
there, there's still no impression nice. that this team will make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. The, the Cavs are this year's Knicks, but they play in a small market, so the big networks have to pick up on it. <laughs> but even when they do, it's more of like, oh, good job, guys. We're proud of you, kind of sense. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully next next year we'll be uh, a little bit more t- taken a little more seriously. Uh, yeah. But okay. you know, that's uh, that's the Cavaliers. We're taking actionable steps, small Baby steps, one at a time, one draft pick at yeah. a time. Yeah, the, I mean, the next step for the Cavs was to not be a ju- to be taken as a joke every night, and I don't think you, especially when Mobley's in the lineup, I don't think you can. Oh yeah, he's, God, he's so good. He he is a lot. He, his game is especially. I was worried about the physic his like physicality because I mean he just looks like he could be pushed around fairly easily, but. When you have Josh Allen in there to kind of do all that dirty work, he's able to really excel. So I'm, I'm impressed by by that, Big for time. sure. You know, here, here's something here's something that's we've not been able to say for a long time uh, on the Cavs. Uh, it's a very lean roster. We have a little bit of money uh, tied up in bad contracts, but it's all contracts that you know. It's money we don't need for a while, and so when you look at our long term pieces, it's a very lean team. There's no one on our team that is both tied up for a long time and not clearly part of a plan. And, and, the, and, the, and the reason we've been able to see and the reason we've been able to see this is because love has been able to has been getting so much contract space. But the end's kinda insight on this and I think we've done a really good job of sort of waiting that out and not trying to jump the gun and force something that's not there. We're not yeah. advancing the process quicker than it needs to go. We're not trying to just immediately tank be, be bad, have a bad culture. It's it's a long uh, it's a long process, but uh, no, it's it's been. I say because the looking at the roster, you obviously got Kevin Love's massive contract, but we've known this for years. You signed Jared Allen, and you did that on purpose. And the only person really making a largish sum of money in NBA terms is Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio at almost eighteen million. But we know that's a short term deal. We're not. You know, that's not a $18 million for eight, five-year deal here. If so. anything, he's there to educate Darius Garland and hopefully pass on some of his freaky good FIBA skills to him. <laughs> Goaltending's allowed here. <laughs> oh, man, but that's uh, that's kind of the Cleveland Cavaliers in a nutshell. So what, uh, what else we got there, Nathan? All right, Sam, I guess since you're here... We, we didn't want to talk about it, but since you're here, we'll talk about that the, the Suns have won 10 straight games. And after... Are they up to 12 now. Are they? Uh, so ESPN's got them at, at uh, winning streak of... Oh, no, winning streak of 14. Yeah, I thought it was 14. So the yeah. Suns started the season... I in MSG, and Devin Booker has a fantastic career played in MSG. So... Um, for... Yeah, it's way too it's way too late for anyone to take this line by the time this is published. But um, they set the line for Devin Booker over under at twenty two and a half uh, career points, and he's averaging thirty one and a half as a career in Madison Square Garden. So, frankly, you know, that right there is a ridiculous line for them to put. Um, I may or may not have drawn some real change at that one. So you definitely hammered the under. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, the listeners, by the time this is published, the game will be open, the listeners can uh, judge judge me whether or not this game, uh, bet came out right. That, to me, seemed like such a smart uh, such a smart bet. Um, regardless, I just think, you know, the Suns are, uh, they, this, the Suns are the same thing they are they were last year, which is 
they are the deepest, most complete team in the West. And other teams may have higher star power, but the West got worse this year. When you look at the teams that were contending in the West, the injuries, uh, Jamal Murray. I guess the Nuggets are staying even keel. The only big difference in the West right now is the Warriors, because somehow the Warriors came back. The Warriors are just continuing to extend their legacy and plays not even back. How's it? It's it's virtually the same roster. The best teams in the West are Golden State and Phoenix. Yeah. So, are any any concern um, about the DeAndre Ayton deal not getting done? This year? Um, no, because, uh, you know, he'll go to restricted free agency and uh, either A, he won't get a big deal and we'll sign him for a two friendly contract, or B, he'll get a big deal, we'll let him walk, and we'll have all that DeAndre Ayton cap space wide open. And the center is one of the most easily replaceable uh, teams, uh, most easily replaceable positions in basketball. And if they make another deep playoff run this year, there's going to be a lot of veteran centers or willing to take that deal at a discount. Gotcha. So, so you are on the train of not matching if someone if so if someone gives eight in the max, you, you you're not gonna match. What is the what is the highest level you would go to to match Aiton? In your mind, what's worth it? I, I, I threw this number out earlier and I'll throw it again. Uh, four years, hundred million. So twenty five a year. Yep, twenty five a year. So kind kind of a li- little more than the Jared Allen deal. Essentially. Okay. Which, you know, I think it's very fair. I think they're very comparable players. I think for a player that age, that's sort of the going market rate. But, you know, the question is, you know, he's eligible for that uh, max contract. He's a number one overall pick, so he can get that five-year 170. I just think that would be mortgaging the future too much. And I understand that you're on a closing window with Chris Paul, but I also understand that there are a lot of point guards in this league. Chris Paul is obviously phenomenal. But I think that this is this is a team that any free agent point guard coming up can look at this team and go, oh, wow, this is built for me to succeed, right? My co-star is Devin Booker, who is, who is one of the most dominant players off the ball in NBA history, right? We've got the defense from Crowder and Bridges. They uh, just top to bottom uh, play such a good, hard defensive team. They play hustle ball. They are a fast-paced offense. And, you know, Frankly, especially if you are a player who is looking, if you're a player, if you are a guard who's looking to, you know, maybe revitalize a career, who's looking to take a short deal and go for a max later, I think this is the perfect team to do it on. So I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not looking at the, I'm not looking at it right now. But let's start throwing out some ideas of point guards who are going to be free agents around the same time as Chris Paul. Um, I know Mason's going to say Russell Westbrook. I think. This would be a good team for Russell Westbrook, but by the time Russell Westbrook's that age, I'm not sure he's a good fit for uh, that team unless he's willing to take a very team-friendly contract. I respect him. He is an MVP. He's a several-time All-NBA. If he wants to go out and get paid, he has every right to do so. I just don't think that Phoenix is the team to uh, do that for him. Um, frankly, Spencer Dinwiddie is a team that uh, is a player that comes to mind right away. That I think he actually is like starting caliber point guard talent. I'm not sure he's all-NBA level, but I think he could, among among those supporting cast, be very, very successful, and I appreciate that of him. Um, uh, some other point guards who I think uh, might be on the move soon, Kemba Walker, if his, exper- if his experiment in New York doesn't go well, Kemba Walker could be there. And um, uh, who, are, who are some other point guards? Uh, Damian Lillard. Could be there. J- 
Jamal Murray could be very successful because, frankly, with Jokic, Jamal Murray, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. all in Denver, um, you know, there's only so much money to go around, and they're going to have to make some hard choices, right? And I think Jamal Murray has seen how this team can beat Denver, and I think they can go, oh, hey, then maybe this is the team for me. And, you know, he'd have to take a team-friendly deal, but... If the man decides he wants a ring, especially coming off an injury and being kind of unproven, I think he could play on this team very well. Well, would he have to take a team-friendly deal if they don't keep Aiton and they no longer have Chris Paul? It doesn't have to, um, like, I don't know about because obviously Booker's on the max. Booker's on the max, Bridges on close to the max, and then you've got a couple of important veterans who are making good money, not great money, like uh, Crowder and uh, Chris Paul is one of them. Um, Abdul, uh, frankly, their benches are making a lot. Uh, you know, coming up pretty soon, they're going to lose campaign because someone's going to want to uh, pay campaign, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, this one of the most important signings they've made is Cameron Payne because he is, in my mind, one of the best backup point guards in the league, and they're getting him for pretty much a, uh, just north of a better minimum. For what they're paying him, they're getting he's getting they're getting extremely good value. I, what would they get him for three years, seven and a half million, like? It's for, yeah um, for a backup point guard of that caliber. I've you know I've said this off I've said this off recording before and I'll say it again. Can you name to me three better backup point guards than campaign? And I will not accept LeBron James an answer because I see what you did there and it's funny, but it's just yeah. <laughs> still is still is. Right, I'm gonna go with uh Jabron Lames. He's he's a pretty good player. I mean, I, would you consider Ricky Rubio the starting point guard or Darius Garland? Well, they both. They both start. So Rubio is the backup. They're, 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 they're both starting as they're both starting as combo guards right now. But even even with a healthy Sexton, I'll say Ricky Rubio is a backup. Do you think Ricky Rubio is a campaign? Yes. Okay. Is Jordan Poole can, is Jordan Poole considered a small small forward? I don't think Jordan Poole is better yet, but I think he has a higher. I'm not saying like he's better. Game. I'm just saying like when Clay comes back and. And Poole goes back to the normal backup guard spot. That's a right. pretty good guard. I think, I think Jordan Poole is a much higher ceiling just because Campaign's older. But I think, you know, playing in the NBA today, Cameron Payne's a better player than Jordan Poole. I don't know. Jordan Poole hasn't had years of dapping up Russell Westbrook during every timeout, though. That's, we cannot that's overlook that. That's, that's like putting, right putting flame decals on a car, man. It just gives you some more... <clears throat> Got um, Elfin Payton's on the. Yeah, no, that's uh, so the Suns. What? What? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're 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 coming back pretty strong from their early season slump. No, I mean, this is th- this is the year where 14, fourteen game win streak. That's you know, very few teams in NBA history get to do something like that, right? Especially after starting one and three. Pretty elite territory. Be excited to see when they face the Warriors. Have they played them yet? I, 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 I will be watching that game, absolutely. It was kind of a dud. I mean, not to say that it was a dud, but the Nets-Warriors game was kind of a very one-sided surprise. I was not expecting that much of a... Well. So, I know, I know we want to talk about the Suns, but can we pivot a little bit and talk about the Nets? Because what the actual fuck? Yeah, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's go to the Nets. Also, before we get to the Nets... Uh, not bad, but like... You know, A, Kyrie's not playing. B, they made rules specifically to hurt James Harden. And C, Kevin Durant just doesn't seem in it. But, like... What do you mean he's MVP front runner? 
him behind Steph right now because Steph is oh, nuclear. So, yeah, right now, it, right now it's Steph and it's not even close. Is he nuclear? Alright, so, so he's putting he's putting don't wrong, he's putting up the stats. Every Nets game I have watched this year, there comes a point uh, so I'm yet to watch a game where the Nets won. Okay. Let's action. let's not act every, like every Nets game I've watched, there comes a time where Kevin Durant just it looks like he stops trying to win and just he's like, Oh, okay, I'll like try to get points, I'll try to do whatever, but like <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it other than it looks like his desire to win loses. Cause, and, frankly, and, <laughs> and frankly, I can't blame him because, you know, he signed up for such a good deal and he's been so bamboozled because Kyrie Irving won't get the shot and the league basically said, fuck you to James Harden. Okay, let, let's not act like the Nets are going through a gauntlet, though, right now. Their last 10 games were they lost twice. And the last 10 games were Celtics, Cavaliers, Magic, Cavaliers, Warriors, that was a loss, Thunder, Pelicans, Magic, Bulls, that was a loss, and Raptors. So it's not like they've been going through the gauntlet, especially with the Cavaliers so banged up right now. They have definitely had a little bit easier of a schedule going forward. And before that, it was like the Pistons and the Pacers and the Hornets. So, like, they've had a little bit of an easy schedule to start. The only Nets games I've watched is I watched them play the Warriors, which is a bad loss. And very, uh, very early on, they played another. Uh, it was a uh, nationally televised game, and they played another. Um, who did they play in like week one? That was they. They got blown out by the Bucks. They Bucks, lost. They lost decently handily to the Hornets. They had so, a. So the, the only games I've watched so far are the Bucks and. Warriors, and granted, those are two great uh, those are two great opponents, and maybe that's their strategy: is hey, we're gonna win the games we're supposed to win, we're gonna get to the playoffs, and then we'll turn it up a level. But in those two games, it's not even that Kevin Durant put up a bad stat line; it's just somewhat somewhere in the third quarter, it became evident that he did not care whether they won or lost. And you know, again, Kyrie's not playing, and James Harden is trying his best, but the league has literally been like, "Oh, here's what you're good at; we made that illegal." I mean, is is the mindset, though, in the NBA now? Like, Well, okay, excluding the playoffs, is it now, okay, let's just get to the top six? Like, is it come to a point where there's enough parity in the league where it really doesn't matter that much? And, like, maybe we'll adjust, win, or try to win a couple more if we really think we can get a certain opponent we like, but... Is, the, the, is it just throughout the is it throughout the league? It's just like who gives a fuck? I would have said that for sure last year, but then last year... The Lakers have been playing the Suns in the first round, and you know they lost. LeBron lost in the first round. And I think that's what they were doing when they said, "Hey, you know, we can go through anyone as long as we're dancing." And the fact of the matter is, they couldn't. No, I, I I agree with they had that mentality, but I think the mentality has to be true if they're healthy, and they realized real quickly they were not. They Fair. had, you know, a banged up team, and then when. It, uh, Anthony Davis went down in the first round of the playoffs. That's when they really were like, they evaluated, no, we don't have enough to, do we want to try to fight it out this season? Maybe like get beaten up. I think I, they, I, they I, threw it in is what I saw. I, I, think, I think a big part of the Russell Westbrook signing is that they basically looked at it and they said, hey, if we're going to try to be healthy in the playoffs, we need a player who can hold the team at 500 when no other star is playing. Yep. Right? Yep. And, you know, that's, that's what Russell Westbrook has done for a big part of his career. No, no disrespect, but Russell Westbrook is a player who's like, hey, I will be the star that keeps our team at 500. 
And the honest, I take no offense to that. He brought that Wizards team from garbage to 500, enough to make the playoffs, and a watchable team. And a lot of people will look back and say, look how much better the Wizards are without Russell Westbrook. That's a very, I think, narrow-minded way to look at it. Look at what they were able to get for Russell Westbrook that was able to bolster their team in such a way. Yeah, they've got, got from, they've got, the, yeah, the Wizards have great depth from now, too. all the way up to where they're at now, which is... Yeah, yeah, the they, Wizards have incredible. They had depth. some good signings in in Spencer Dinwiddie, no doubt. So let's not discount that. But for Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma and Kentavious Caldwell Pope, those were all starting level or high end backup level players. I agree. I, you know, I think you know, if anything, I think the Lakers overpaid a little bit for Russell Westbrook. But oh well, yeah, oh well, yeah. Which I I gotta say, it was because it was a, out of necessity. That right. Russell Westbrook's like, hey man, you want me, I want you, and they're like, damn, we do want you. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to be in 10, 15 years when we look back and look at how they could have had Buddy Heald, and maybe instead of going with Russell Westbrook. I don't man. think we're going to be looking back 10 years at that. If it doesn't go well for the Lakers, we're going to be looking back at that in eight months. I'm so. hoping, I'm so hoping that they turn it up to a new level when they get in the playoffs, because they have some really cool stuff they can do. I've seen them do flashes of. That I feel like they're yeah. just trying to feel it out, and we're kind of getting. I feel like I'm being grift. I'm being conned right now, watching this I, team. I'm not. I'm not sure they're my NBA champion, but I think they do enough interesting things that the team itself is better than their record reflects. They got Carmelo Anthony, who Carmelo Anthony has been playing fantastic. <laughs> well, like, what? If there's one piece that I think they, if there's one piece I think they're missing, if there's one piece I think they look at and go, why didn't we just extend him? It's Alex Caruso. Oh my God. Yeah, because Alex Caruso has been so good in uh, Chicago. Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball might be. I'm not gonna say that. They are definitely a top five backcourt. So just the three man rotation of Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and Zach Levine is a top three backcourt in the NBA right well, now. You took a dynamite force like Zach Levine, and then you threw on it nitroglycerin and gasoline with Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and their defensive and playmaking ability. And it's just so they, fun they, to watch. They did such a good job where they said, hey, Zach Levine's really good at this one thing. He needs the ball in his hand, or he needs to be around a playmaker and then find the one he's open. Like, okay, cool. So we're going to take players who are smart off the ball, great defenders and can make plays with the ball in their hand to help Zach Levine out. And we're going to assign those players. And then also we have DeMar DeRozan that, like, you know, if there's DeMar DeRozan's a great player, if there's one value he adds there, it's that when they have to do, when they can stagger his minutes, when they have to do bench minutes when they're looking for a bucket, he is so good in isolation. And so you can basically trust him to be the offense and just put him out there with some great defensive players. If Zach Levine and or DeMar DeRozan switched on and yeah. off, as like, uh, okay, he's tired, he's out. DeMar DeRozan, you're in, or vice versa. And they, even when they play together, they have enough ability to play make and or you know guard off ball, whatever they have to do to get through. But um, it's, god damn, the Bulls are fun. The Bulls, the Bulls are, are fun. The Bulls are my favorite team to watch this year. Damn. The Bulls are so much fun. Just, they play such a aesthetically pleasing brand of basketball. It's hard, it's fun, it's offensively bombastic. And yeah, defensively, and like solid. Turnovers and get some yams in the, uh, oh, in the, even when they're mad. Oh my god! Love that. Oh, when Zach Levine throws down a loud fucking slam dunk and then starts yelling at the ref like, "Call the foul!" I just get amped, man. I get amped. 
God, I love watching them play. Oh, damn it. Never thought I'd say that about the Bulls, but um, it's been a good uh, good start to the season thus far. And uh, so far, you know, we'll we'll be keep we'll, we, uh, anything else that's kind of been a surprise or something you wanted to uh, to bring up there, Sam. Um, one surprise I've had this year is uh, how remarkably the Rockets have been with how, what a talented roster they have. They have no, no, what? It's a bad roster. What? It's a bad roster. What? Okay. Bad okay. Players, okay. But Jalen Green has played very well. Christian Wood has played very well, and I just don't understand how they haven't squeaked out more than one win. Are they still one they have two. two. They, they have, have two. two. They have two they wins. Have two? Okay, so they've won since the last time I checked. It's just one of those things where it's like, I listen. They're they're not a playoff team. They're not scratching a playoff team. And maybe this is their lose on purpose. I do think that they have some future pieces on that team that you can look at and go, how are these pieces not like getting them squeaking out uh, the sort of trivial wins? Right? I feel like we're watching two different teams here because I have been absolutely. Here's what I've seen: Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr being made to be the playmakers on on a team that has John Wall and them just deciding not to use their playmaking John Wall. And they're like, all right, go for it. See what you got. Yeah. And then try to make... I think they're they're losing on purpose, and I think they're trying to win. Yeah. It'd be at least a six-win team. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But is that really that much better? A six-win team? That's fair. Maybe that's not going to be my hot take. Uh, uh, I'll take it back. My other hot takes are going to be the Pelicans. Okay, when when Zion back. comes back, I assume, or what? We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens when Zion comes back. But even without Zion, like I said, are, are they at three wins now? Right? I'm not looking at the records right now. They're at three wins right now. Pels are at. They are at a dazzling four. Mm. Four wins. They're on a one. They're on a one game win streak right now. Again. Again, they are not a they are not a playoff team, but they are better, even without Zion, they are better than a four one team. I'm curious to see what happens to Zion if he's going to get a bench restriction, and I don't want to dig into the absolute mess that is Zion because you know, yeah, we're not digging into that. I think he should be played. Uh, I think the fact that he's getting this type out, he is a top draft pick and can't keep himself on the court is really questionable. And I wonder see if he's going if he can stay healthy for the next contract and get a max. Because one of you is healthy, he's a generational talent. But the fact that even without Zion, the team they're built, they're better than a four-win team right now. I guess so. That's that's what they've said. That's what they've said. But when and even last they're, season, they're 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 just. But the moves they made makes it seem like they are trying to move their timeline up, and it's not working. They're just not getting anything out of anyone except for Ingram and Valanciunas right now. Right. Like, they're getting nothing substantial. I can't believe they're, getting, they're not getting more of Mikhail Alden and Walker. I can't believe that the team is not getting more out of, um, what's, what's his name, uh, the guy who's starting in place of Zion, who's their starting four. Uh, not Brandon Ingram. No, he starts three. Who starts at four with Zion? He's a decent player. I can't oh, Hernan Gomez? Hernan Gomez? Willie Hernan Gomez. I can't believe he's not putting up, like, starter level minutes. If, if you were to show, you know, a year ago, you were showing me this is Willie Hernan Gomez's stats, I'd say, oh, he's playing really well with his 18 minutes off the bench. <laughs> with his but, Yeah, yeah, I guess. But now that, now that he's getting starting level minutes, like, that is, that is a pitiful stat line. 
<laughs> it's a pitiful stamina. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think that there's a lot a lot going on with the Pelicans that we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see. But all I have to say about them, about them is the front office sucks, and uh, I don't think they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a shame because, you know, they have, you know, they're in a position where I think better managed they could be, if not contending, setting themselves up to contend, but it just seems like they're floundering. That's true. That's true. But a lot of teams are floundering. Yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that will do it for us, and uh, we will come at you guys next time. Until then, peace.